This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for the statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from Cressa Commercial Real Estate here in Tysons, Virginia. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Jim Morgan, People Stretch Solutions, Andrea Dykes, Howard Insurance, Julie Matt Cressa, and Gabe Muller, Muller Consulting. Jim, can you give us a rundown on who we have on the show with us today, please? Sure. This morning, we have Jason Middleton, CEO of Few Solutions, Dale Tuttle, partner of Witham, Smith & Brown, Eric Rind, CEO of Imagine BC, and Christian Barden, Executive Director of Adams Morgan Partnership. Let's get to know our first guest, Jason Middleton, CEO of Few Solutions. Jason, what is Few Solutions? What are you guys doing? Uh, Few Solutions is about 20 employees, and we bring intelligence or, or uh, IT into the intelligence community and support it. How large or how small is this team? Uh, we're just a little over 20 employees. And how'd you get a job with this company? Uh, my former employers, who are now my partners, uh, when I when I left them before, they asked me to come back whenever I was ready to start something with them. Uh-huh. So you ended up leaving a job, and then they say, come back and we'll start a business with you. Okay, we'll dig into this. Where are you from originally? Uh, Easton, Maryland. And how many brothers and sisters? I have a brother, younger brother. Younger brother. And how young were you when you started making money? I was six. And and uh, what were you doing? Uh, working for my dad's auto repair company. And how long did you work there for? Uh, until I was 16. So you worked in your dad's auto repair business from the time you were 6 to 16. And didn't that sort of stink the fact that you were working with your dad and all your friends are outside playing and having fun? I didn't know any better at the time. Wait, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Uh, work was the way of life for my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell us, what, what, what did you learn about working with that? What, 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 when, you, when you left that business... What had you not done? I mean, have you had you been through the full spectrum of a little bit of everything there? I had done it all from sales to auto repair to stocking shelves. You had done it all. So what did you learn from that experience? Is there anything to do with this IT-related business in the government sector and the intelligence community, a few solutions? What did you learn working in auto repair that has anything to do with this? Uh, you have to always be willing to help go that extra mile to get the customer where they need to be. Do you really see a parallel between auto repair and IT? Absolutely. If you if you can turn a wrench, you can repair a computer, and customer service is the same, uh, no matter the business. Huh, Jim? What are you thinking? So you spent a long t- a lot of time working in your dad's business. Why wouldn't you just continue to work there and take over that business? Uh, when I was fifteen, my my girlfriend at the time had introduced me to a typing class, uh, which later led me into Future Business Leaders of America. So I did ended up doing a lot of computer repair uh, using my wrench turning skills that I learned from my family. Mm-hmm. Doing computer repair for who? Uh, myself, I, was, I ended up cons- starting a consulting business at 14. So you were still in high school and you started your own business? Yes. Okay. And then where did that take you? Uh, that took me eventually off to college, which led to full scholarships that I, I didn't end up uh, taking. And I continued consulting until I 
finally figured out uh, that mm -hmm. I needed to be in the government. Gabe? So who do you think that you uh, are more like, your mom or your dad? More like my, my dad. What do you bring on a daily basis to uh, your organization now from, from both your mom and dad? Uh, I bring work ethic, the ability to do whatever it is I would ask an employee to do. I would never, never do anything. Um, I always make sure that what I'm asking folks to do, I, I show them that I'd be willing to do it as well. And, wh and what do you bring from mom to work every day? Uh, my willingness to drop whatever it is I'm doing at the time and help somebody in need. Well, you saw that in your mom? Absolutely. How did you see that in your mom? Uh, she was always willing to help my brother and I and family members uh, whenever they, they needed help with something, whether it was a health issue or... So you're telling me your mom was really caring? Very caring. And you bring that to where I thought business was all blood and guts and stuff. I, I enjoy that part of it, but at the end of the day, everybody's got personal lives, you know, family they have to go home to. Um, so I enjoy developing that relationship with the customer as well. We all have more things going on in our lives than just work. Wait a minute, so maybe that's the reason former employers decided to support you in starting a business? What was that all about? What, so why, why did they do that? We, they asked me to go out and, and start a new sales division while you were an employee while i was an employee and you were successful in doing that very successful in doing that uh -huh, very successful in doing that then they said to you listen uh, you know i know you want to leave for another job but if you ever want to start a business come back and do it with us yes uh-huh you really are all about relationships aren't you very much so andrea so we've heard a lot about work but what'd you do for fun did you play sports as a kid uh i did i, I played baseball and then uh, i was a rower and a skier why did you choose those sports um, I chose those sports, uh, a lot of the folks that, uh, have done well in business over the years have been rowers or skiers, uh, and I spent a lot of time on the water on the Y River growing up, so rowing was just a natural fit. When you were, when you were rowing, what was your role in the team? Uh, started out as a coxswain and rowing stroke, and then, uh, I ended up rowing a, a single so that I could get my own workouts in at the faster pace that I wanted to go. Wait, 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 wait. So you started off working as part of the team, and then you did what? I uh, started rowing in individually. Why? Uh, I'd like to get my workouts in quickly so that I can get into the office faster. So you have an ability to work as part of the team, which is that mom stuff, the fact that you're caring and you want to develop people, but yet on the other hand, you're also able to step out and go run forward. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Okay. Jason, when you, were, uh, when you were 8 to 14, what would your friends... Uh, say about your reputation my occupation reputation. your reputation, reputation. Uh, I worked so uh, my friends were my employers and they could uh, they would say that if you give some Jason something to do he will get it done Julie it sounds like you've had a lot of different experiences how have those helped to shape you for the changing world of IT uh, you're spot on. IT is changing, so my diverse background, I think, has helped me adapt and just be prepared for whatever comes down the, the pipe. Hmm. There was something that was going on with your grandparents' farm. What was that all about? Uh, that's another another place I ended up spending a lot of time in the summers if I wasn't at the auto repair store. So it would be baling hay or baling straw uh, in between fishing. So this where, where was this farm at? Uh, just outside of Easton, on Eastern Shore. Uh-huh. And uh, so you were, were you getting paid to do this stuff at the farm? No, no. I just enjoyed, enjoyed doing it. Enjoyed doing what? Learning. Uh, working with others. Um, learning uh, about how my 
great-grandparents grew up. Wait a minute. This was hard work, and you you didn't even know. Like you, you didn't even know it was hard work working in your dad's store, and it was just sort of the way of life for you. It was the same thing of working on this farm, wasn't it? Absolutely. A lot, a lot of sweat. Long sleeves, long pants. And what did you do on this farm? What, what kind of stuff did you do on the farm? Uh, so we would, uh, in the summertime, it'd be baling hay, uh, baling straw, planting, combining, um, plowing, disking. Who's we? Uh, the other folks that were on the farm. So the farmer, uh, the different farm hands that were there. So uh, I ended up learning a lot from them. And then by the time I was 10, 12 years old, I was out and running farm equipment myself. But you didn't have to do that. You could have told your parents, your grandparents, you didn't want to do it. That wouldn't have been any fun. But you wanted to do it. And enjoyed doing it. Enjoyed the power that the income from that uh, gave me to, to do things that I wanted to do. Uh huh. Earlier we were talking about your mom and you were really touched by your mom. What was that all about? Oh, just just that she's, you know, it, it's, it's been pointed out to me over the years what a, what a saint that she is. And she's like, she's always willing to go that extra mile. And what's that have to do with your being? Uh, I, I learned the same thing from my father. So going that extra mile, which the partners that I have today, they're all willing to go that. It's it's a, a customer first um, environment. If, if we end up having to lose a little to help a customer get where they're going, they're still a customer at the end of the day. So Jason, in the green room, you mentioned that your kind of philosophy of always evolving and moving to the next thing. So when did that really start? That started once I, real, once I realized that uh, I'm not as young as I used to be, and, and there's a lot, a lot of uh, kids like Todd here that, that can run circles around me these days. Um, but no, it's in, in order to keep up with uh, where customers are going or need to go with their business, a lot of customers that are small to medium businesses, um, they now have to look at enterprise technology. So looking at getting that enterprise technology into those environments and helping them manage it at a non-enterprise price. So you've had hard work as a theme. You've had kind of caring as a theme. You've had evolving as a theme. How does that impact the culture of your company today? Everybody's willing to help one another out whenever everybody's, everyone's willing to do one another's job when it comes down to it. It's really a team. It is. It's a team effort and it's, it's a, it's tough to find a, uh, a culture or, or individuals that fit that culture these days. Well, I guess that's what you're doing. That's what, that's what you're expert at. I mean, you know, bringing the caring to the team. They realize you're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to do it also. You're setting the tone. What's the website address for this organization? Fuse.Solutions. Let me have that one more time. Fuse, F-U-S-E, dot solutions. We've been speaking with Jason Middleton, CEO of Fuse Solutions, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. And we will be back in a moment right after this business spotlight. And your name and organization is? Sterling Neblet, Centurion Wealth Management. And, and what are you guys doing? We work with entrepreneurs, women, and corporate executives, really giving them peace of mind that they won't outlive their assets. And how young were you when you got a dose of this wealth management thing? Um, I was about 11 years old. Mm -hmm. What happened? My mother wanted to explain the stock market to me and she you know sat me down explained that you know these are real businesses that you're investing in and you know they're profitable they're growing they're increasing their customers and wait a minute so you're 11 years old your mother wanted to do this to you and you were interested in learning it yes so why what was so interesting about it making money i liked the idea of making money 
So did you did you buy some stocks when you were 11 years old? Um, at that time, I did not. She would share her portfolio with me, and then you know my grandfather had bought Berkshire Hathaway at $500 a share. So. Uh-huh. Um, and it appreciated money a great deal over the years. So you, you got a dose of wealth management and making money in the stock market as a young kid. And isn't that what you're doing nowadays? Yes. So what do you enjoy about what you do? Um, really helping people. I mean, it, it, first it led to it was about making money for people. But then it re- I realized that, you know, money is just a single component of the whole picture. And really what you're doing is giving people peace of mind. Wow. Wow, boy, it sounds like your mom really set you on the right track there. And uh, what's the best part of your day? Um, Meeting with new individuals, specifically entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. What's the website address for this organization? CenturionWealth.com. How do you spell that? C-E-N-T-U-R-I-O-N, wealth.com. And your name again is? Sterling Neblet. And this is Herb Cohen, and this has been your business spotlight. And your name and organization is? Fred Behrens, AOG Wealth Management. And Fred, what, what do you do special at AOG Wealth Management? Uh, we draw on lessons from the super endowment funds like Yale, Harvard, and Stanford to apply to individual portfolios, adding in commercial real estate, hedging strategies, and private equity to our, our client portfolios. This sounds pretty sophisticated. What, 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 what was going on with your childhood? What helped shape you from your childhood? Uh, my dad was a career Air Force officer, so I lived in five states, two countries, and then landed in Virginia when I was 13. I, I attended uh, 10 different schools in 13 years. Oh, boy. 10 different schools in 13 years. H- how do you think that shaped you going to 10 different schools in 13 years as a kid? Well, you have to learn adaptability, uh, willingness to take chances, reach out. Uh-huh. And how young were you when this intellectual acuity began to show itself up, this curiosity? My whole life. What do you, give me an example of what was going on as a kid. How would that show up? Um, second grade, they wanted to bump me up to fourth grade. My mom said no, wisely. Uh, I still started college at 17, but... Uh-huh. And uh, what kind of sports did you play as a kid? Uh, really everything. Baseball, football, basketball. Football. What was your role in those teams? Uh, quarterback in football, point guard in basketball, and shortstop in baseball. I get the quarterback in football. I get the... Uh, uh, the point guard in basketball. I don't get the shortstop in baseball, though. What are you talking about? Well, I was I was a leadoff hitter, so I would get the offense started. But uh, shortstop, you you know position the defense, and you're kind of in the middle of all the plays. Yeah, it sounds like you're in the middle of everything. What's that have to do with uh, your role at AOG Wealth Management? Uh, well, we have a, a team of 12 people, uh, managed about 400 million dollars, and it's a it's a interesting portfolio. And so uh, there's just always a lot of activity, a lot of different things to deal with. You're always in the middle of it all. What's the website address of this organization? AOGWealth.com. Let me have that a second time. AOGWealth.com. And your name again is Fred Barons, Chief Executive Officer. And this has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Dale Tuttle partner at Witham Smith & Brown. Dale, what is Witham Smith & Brown? What are you guys doing there? Well, Witham Smith & Brown is an accounting firm, top 30 accounting firm. I provide IT consulting services, and we're about 40, 50 people. All right. You're providing IT services, and you're part of an accounting firm. Where are you from originally? I'm from Cuba, New York. And how many brothers and sisters? I have an older sister who's an attorney and a much younger brother who's an officer in the Coast Guard. Uh-huh. So uh, you mentioned that something happened when you were about in ninth grade. What was going on in ninth grade? 
Uh, yeah, my, my parents, uh, my dad, who, who was a cop, my mom was a housewife at the time. They ended up getting divorced, and that was kind of traumatic when you're in high school and your sister was just headed off to college, so dealt with that on my own. Okay, so mom and dad get divorced, your sister's not there, and how did that make you feel? What was going on with the feeling and the dynamics in the family? Well, it makes you feel a little isolated, but I was fortunate that I could lean on the uh, parents of one of my close friends, and essentially they became my surrogate parents as my own parents were going through their divorce. So it was sort of frightening and insecure because your parents got divorced and your sister was no longer there, but you you began, you adopted surrogate parents, so you learned you could depend on people. Absolutely, and uh, you know, it's it's really important to have that stability wherever you can find it in your life. Okay, so what was interesting to me is that you have a partner in your business and do you think that had any, do you think the groundwork got laid back then when you really found out you could depend on people that you could really depend on a partner? Yeah, I mean, that's that's critical. I I I, uh, I like the idea I'm uh, of working as a team, but everybody have their own set of responsibilities and 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 meeting the expectations and and just pulling their weight and staying. I wouldn't say necessarily staying in their lane, but pulling their weight and depending on them to do that. All right. So it's interesting that, you know, you really know when you look for the intimacy in your relationships because you have a partner and then you guys merged into an accounting firm where there's a whole mess more relationships. Did you find that to be frightening or did you find that to be welcoming? Um, probably a bit of both. I know that's a cop out answer however it's an honest answer what you what you need to do is find people that whom you can trust in the larger organization and use those people as a springboard to other relationships in the firm and you quickly determine who those receptive people are and you you just build upon those relationships in a structured uh, way and it takes a little bit of time in a larger organization but it's working out boy oh boy it's such it's so simple what you're saying and it makes so much sense which is really you're looking for people you can depend on that you can build relationships with that you can build a business with that's right and that's i think that's fundamental to any business is a trust relationship uh, and people working together towards a common set of goals absolutely okay i got it i'm glad you said it that way jim so dale you mentioned that you grew up in a small town what did you learn by growing up in a small town well uh you know it's it it was interesting because everybody does know your business it's and the other thing is there are certain set of expectations certainly back in the 80s when i was growing up in a small town and a lot of those expectations were that people would stay in town and I never had that intent, and I, I went to college, and I visit from time to time, but I don't look back. So why didn't you want to stay? Opportunities were limited, and uh, I didn't like the idea of everybody knowing what I was up to. So you mentioned that you like to kind of craft your own uh, activity or in your own strategy. So what were the first steps kind of going from town to do that? Well, I think college really was formative in that, right? And my parents didn't go to college, so when I went to college, um, I, I could lean on my sister a little bit, whom she, she had gone to college, but you needed to step outside your comfort zone and learn new things and learn how to do things on your own. Hmm. Okay, good. Gabe. Dale, can you uh, share with us what your dad did for a living? Yeah, he was a New York State police officer. He was uniformed for about... 20 years and then was a detective for like another 10. What was it that you learned from your dad that you apply within your organization now? Well, I actually, I definitely learned um, a lot of respect for law enforcement and, and figures of authority and because they have a, a huge responsibility and, and I learned that very early. And I, I think I, I take that responsibility with me now. When people depend on you, you got to come through. 
So how come you didn't just, how come you didn't become a policeman? Great question. My my father wanted me to become a a, a, a cop. I would say a cop, and uh, he was remind me it's a police officer. I just couldn't deal with the uh, stress and the baggage that these people bring home every day. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Well, I mean, bad things happen to police officers. Uh, any given day, we hear um, th- they're dealing with stressful situations. Mm-hmm. Bad things happen to them. And, mm-hmm. and you know, my parents were no different. My father was no different. My parents were divorced, which is unfortunately very common in the uh, law enforcement community. Sounds like you have a lot of implicit respect for people. Yeah, I mean, people who put themselves out there in public service, I, I have a, an enormous amount of respect for. Yeah, mm-hmm. Andrea? In the, green room, in the green room, you've talked a little bit about mom and, and her independence. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, she, she definitely was an interesting character. She uh, did things her own way, uh, and she also came from a poor background where she had to make things up as she went. She was really good at doing things on the fly. And I think I got a lot of that from her myself and, and possibly my sister. And my dad was, um, uh, you know, I think over time that uh, that may have been a problem for my father who, who had needed more structure in his life. You went from being a professor to running an IT practice. Does that have anything to do with mom's lesson of doing it your own way? Yeah, in fact, I, th- I think being a professor was a reflection of her, right? She was, both parents were very very smart, very bright people, not educated per se. Uh, however, my mom always pushed me to be, you know, go to school, so did my dad. And But being a professor, I was able to do my own thing. And then even in business now and, and with the partnership I have, you know, it's much more independent than, than a lot of other jobs, right? I can carve out what I do and, and figure things out on my own. Mm-hmm. Julie. Who would you say inspired you the most from 8 to 14? You know, back then, I have a lot of family in law enforcement. I, I really do think that it was my the collective family um, of, of my dad and my uncles that were all cops. But I will get steer back to some of the original things we talked about, and that is the, the my surrogate parents, as I called them earlier. They definitely were, were formative. I knew them before my family's divorce, and then once that happened, I could lean on them. Uh, did they invite you in, or did you just walk in? Did they invite me they let me know that they were there for me and i spent a lot of time at their house and um my best friend his his mom and dad spent a lot of time at my house so there was a lot of that mutual all mutual right. uh, support so how's on. all that stuff that happened in your childhood affecting your being a dad um great question i mean i i'm, I'm married i've been married for uh, like 20 something years of 25 i think this year uh-huh. and i have two daughters and you know, I, I think for me, I've, uh, and this was part of, I think, being a, a professor, is I like to observe and then learn. And I learned, honestly, loved my parents to death, but I learned how, how not to do things. And um, that's what I try to take in my own family. So uh, what's the similarity between being a dad and a CEO? Uh, flexibility. For me, it is. I, 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 you know, I don't run things according to a very tight script. I, at home, you have to adapt to what's happening in your wife and your kids' lives. You just have to. You have to adapt to your business. You have to adapt how you deal with your clients. You have to adapt to how you deal with your staff. It's just a constant, it's constant change. Uh-huh. Which is more difficult, being a dad or being a CEO? For me, being in business is much harder. My kids are super easy. I, I, I don't know what my wife did, uh, but... 
It's uh, much right. harder in business. So at home, who wears the pants in the family? You or your wife? Who's Definitely my wife. No, no question. Well, it sounds like she's a good boss. It sounds she's a you great know boss. She's, it makes it easy. She's got the team organized. Yep, she's, she's she, she keeps things well. organized. Absolutely. Uh huh. What, what, what's so? It sounds to me like you know, for an IT guy, you really appreciate relationships, and it sounds to me like you know maybe you like playing with technology, but it's really people. That you understand absolutely. I mean, uh, technology is fascinating to me. Uh, however, just dealing with the the people, um, and you learn a lot from your clients every day because uh, they're business minded, they're technically minded, and you have to be receptive to to not only helping them solve their problems, but you know you have to get that feedback from them. They always help you do better. You learn stuff from your clients every day. Huh. It sounds to me like you're, you're built, you know, on one hand, you're able to start and build a small team, and now you're fitting within a larger team. You have a lot of personality characteristics that allow you to be really fluid in terms of the environment you operate in, as opposed to just a small business. Now you're part of a large accounting firm. Well, what's the website address for your business? We are Witham.com, W-I-T-H-U-M.com. We've been speaking with Dale Tunnel, partner of Witham, Smith & Brown, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, we'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name and organization is? Todd Fleming, Few Solutions. And Todd, how long have you been working with uh, Few Solutions? I've been working with Few Solutions for about four months. And what's your role there? I'm an inside sales representative. And didn't you tell me you were going to college or something nowadays? Uh, yes, I am. I'm an accounting student at Towson University. And when you went to work with Few Solutions, what was your first impression of the organization of the team? It was something that I had never tried before, so I was nervous, but the team is incredible. They helped me out immediately and got me got me on sure footing so that I know what to do in a completely new environment. What? So this is an organization that's pretty entrepreneurial and technology-oriented, and they showed you the ropes they wanted you to succeed? Absolutely, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, who, who's the CEO of this organization? Jason Middleton. Uh-huh. Did you meet him early in the game? Yes, I met him before I started. Uh-huh. What was your first impression of him? Um, he's incredibly welcoming, uh, very kind, uh, easy to talk to. He made me feel at ease when I was nervous to speak to him. What's his reputation with the other team members? Everybody knows how hard he's willing to work for us. Um, which is something that is not always the easiest to find in executive, in, in executive leadership. Um, he works very hands-on, and he has helped me every step of the way, even though he is at the top. Wait a minute. This is the CEO of the organization that's helped you every step of the way? What are you talking about? Um, anytime that I go into the office, I'll meet with Jason. Um, I see him multiple times a week and sit at a conference table with him and work with him personally. And anytime I need help, he's always there to uh, give me a give me Sounds a hand like up. this is a great organization to work with where they're really looking to develop their talent. What's the name of the organization again? Fuse Solutions. What, what's its website address? Because it just sounds like a great organization to work with. Fuse.Solutions. Let me have that one more time. It's Fuse.Solutions. And your name again is? Todd Fleming. And this is Herb Cohen. This has been your Business Spotlight. Want to help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years 
may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Eric Rind, who is the CEO of Imagine BC. What is Imagine BC? Imagine BC is a technology company about to send an app out into the world that will allow individuals to take back control of their personal information and, even more important, monetize their intellectual property. Ooh. How large or how small is this organization? Uh, roughly about 40 people right now. And where are you from originally? I'm originally from North Belmore, Long Island, which Long, is in New York. Long Island, huh? How many brothers and sisters? Older sister. Older sister. And uh, Jim, where, where would you like to go with him? So you mentioned in the green room that uh, you have kind of a love for strategy. When did that first start? As early as I can remember. I just love history and I love strategy. So even back in my elementary school days, I read voraciously about anything I could get my hands on. So how did you apply that? Uh, history and strategy it leads into strategy. The, the idea of planning for the unknown. <laughs> Nobody could read the future, at least not yet. At least AI isn't there yet. And you have to be able to plot your steps, and all good strategies go to heck <laughs> when the first shot's fired. So what does that look like in your business today? Uh, the business today is it's essential because we have to prepare ourselves for all the inevitabilities of a population of everybody. It's, we don't have a targeted market. We're, we're trying to cater to the needs of everyone. So that's really something that both your employees and your customers turn to you for that strategic element. Correct. And, and remember, our customer here is everybody. <laughs> so, right. yes, they have to. We have to be thinking, helping them. You also shared when you were uh, younger that there was a book business. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. Although my dad was in the advertising uh, world, that was his day job. But his true love, he turned into a business, which was a mail-order book business long before there was Amazon.com. And uh, that was his hobby and his love. How were you involved in that? How were you involved in that? Uh, uh, We were slave labor. My sister and I started six years old. I stuffed catalogs. Was that something you enjoyed? No, I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) And um, let's see. Andrea, what do you got? So you hated stuffing envelopes, but you liked being a caddy. Uh, you mentioned in the green room that you, you know, spent some time uh, as a caddy at the local golf course. What made you different from the other caddies? <laughs> uh, everything. The other caddies came from a completely different demographic than I came from. I, I, my parents could have been the member of that country club. They, they were not. But I was in a room where guys were making their living to place their bets in the afternoon. That's not the background I came from. But did you embrace those change, uh, those differences? Loved every minute of it. Why? I always love to see different aspects of life. I'm fascinated by it. So a lot of people choose to surround themselves by like-minded folks so that, you know, their opinions are validated or whatever. How does, how does this play into your running a business today? I couldn't be more opposite. I, 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 I embrace everybody who's different. I, I know what I like. I don't need people telling me <laughs> the same thing over and over again. I'm only going to learn, and it's important for any leader, any CEO, to constantly be learning from listening to those who differ from you. 
Perfect. Eric, in the green room, you mentioned that uh, you enjoy golfing, and obviously the caddy, you're, you're a caddy. Um, golfing is a very much an individual sport. How, does, uh, how do you take the lessons that you learn through golfing and apply into the, the organization today? Interesting, it's time management. You're out on a golf course for four hours all alone. And that, that goes for caddying too, because you're carrying the bags. And it's, you have to hit a shot and then walk, hit a shot and walk. And what are you using with that time between those shots? The shots are critical, but the time spent between them is probably even more critical. So understanding time management, I, I, golfers are great at it. So how do you uh, bring that to life in the organization today? Time management is critical. I don't think that any CEO would tell you otherwise. You're pulled in a million directions. You have many different departments to deal with. You have to wake up in the morning and know exactly how your day is going to go. And at the end of it, you look back and see, did you accomplish everything? And you hope you did. And then prepare for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Julie? What is the line you will not cross? And how young were you when you defined it? Sadly, I was too young. The line I won't cross is based on trust. And the, the, the strategy thing plays in. I love to plan things out, and I love to see them go into execution. In this situation, I executed my own strategy and got caught with my hand in the cookie jar, which is the dark side of strategy. And my All right, the come on. Tell us what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, figured out a, I, I, I figured out a way there was money on the table, coins, because we, we were changed back when I was there, and it, it was too easy to take. So I figured, hey, I wanted to see if I can get away with it. So I plotted out the plan, and I figured on the lunch line I would be able to take some money every day, and I stuffed it into my cubby hole. Never spent a dime of it. It was only about the actual execution and the strategy. But teacher caught me eventually on a cubby hole clean out. Mom was called in. Mom was not very pleased with me. Mom took me home, and Mom said, I'm not sure I could ever trust you again. Seven years old, never forgotten it, still trying to earn her trust back, and it gets into your DNA. And for that matter, then, I, I, there's a line I won't cross. I simply, in business, will not lie to anybody. Wait a minute. So your mom, you know, you did it because, you know, you were trying to play with a strategy as opposed to trying to steal the money. And when your mom told you that she didn't know if she could ever trust you again, how'd that make you feel? About two inches tall. Uh-huh. And the Almost way invisible. And the way that's manifest is that you really want to get and keep not only your mom's trust, but everybody's trust. Everybody's trust, which is perfect for what we're trying to do today. What it's do you critical. mean? What are you talking about? Well, for Imagine BC to work, our members have to trust that we work for them and not ourselves. Tell me more about that. What do you mean? Well, what, as I said, Imagine BC is trying to help people monetize their personal information. So today, out there you see it every day, Google, Amazon, and, a host, and uh, Facebook, <laughs> the worst of them all, are taking our information and turning it into the greatest fortunes known to mankind. Anybody sitting around this table get any of that money on our data? No. We're saying enough's enough, open your eyes, take back control, and you should start making the money. We're here to make that happen for our members. If our members don't trust us, we're in deep, deep trouble. So you, you really believe and want people, you really want people to trust you, which is really defined, you know, you love strategy. It's actually part, it's a core of your business strategy nowadays. And it, it, what, it, what occurs to me is that this thing about trust as opposed to what I hear about business, where business is suing people and blood and guts and people hating people, and you really seek to establish deep and long-term relationships with people. Am I correct about that? Absolutely. I, I believe that, in, in, in essence, we are all good people and trustworthy people. The world gets corrupted when third parties get involved. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we're seeing a culmination of 
that corruption growing to a peak. And people need to take back control and, and need to do transactions with one another. And let's mm -hmm. remove third parties. And Jim? it's possible so, now with technology. Mm -hmm. Eric, you mentioned that you grew up in Long Island in a relatively affluent family, and yet you still seem to have this passion and work ethic. Where did that come from? Oh, that came from my parents. As I said, I grew up in an affluent family. My parents could have been members of that country club, but in fact, I ended up caddying at that country club. So my parents put me to work pretty early, very early as slave labor in the, in the book business, but later on out there making a dollar. And you asked earlier, why, why did I hate caddying? I wasn't getting paid. I'm sorry, uh, the book business. I wasn't getting paid. Why did I love caddying? I was getting paid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's all about intellectual property. I was getting value for my time. My parents weren't giving that to me in the book business. I was getting it someplace else. Hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you enjoy best about your job? Oh, the, these days I love my job. The, 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 the sheer number of people I'm getting to meet, and especially, again, opposites. So I would have always considered myself probably a little side of the, on the conservative side, a moderate conservative, but our message so resonates with organization of people, organization of labor, that I'm getting to meet so many people from the labor world who have opened my eyes to a world I never knew before. And understanding that fight has been fascinating. I thought you were going to tell me the best part of your job is you get to boss people around or you're making a ton of money or you get to go into work at uh, 11 o'clock in the afternoon and leave at 3 because you're the boss. All irrelevant. In fact, I don't make any money. <laughs> what do you right mean? now, I don't even pay myself. Well, 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 wait, wait, but you're running a business. Sure, you have to run a business, but how come you're not paying yourself? Because right now it's more important that my employees get paid than I get paid. What are you I, it, talking about? For me, about? it's the end result, right? I'm an equity holder in the business. My, my end game's at the end. When Imagine BC is worth money, I've done my job. Yeah, but you're it. taking a lot of risk there. Where's the money coming from to pay the people then? Oh, wait, oh that came from an SBA loan. But you're, you personally signed for that, didn't you? Yes, I have an amazing wife. So you, you're at personal risk for the money that the people are getting paid, but you're doing that because you believe in the greater mission and you're willing to take the risk. Absolutely correct. It's a giant gamble, but it's a gamble somebody has to take. And rather than sit around and listen to people and the talking heads bitch about it, mm -hmm. I got so tired and said, enough's enough. Somebody has to do something. So what's, what's the website address for this organization? ImagineBC.net. Let me have that one more time. ImagineBC.net. Net. We've been speaking with Eric Ryan, the CEO of Imagine BC, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders, executiveleadersradio.com. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. Hi, this is Sherry from Hummingbird Market in Tucson, Arizona. I have some great news for those of you who like hummingbirds. Hummingbirds are the most loved and easily fed birds in the United States. Attracting these flying jewels into your yard is accomplished by using the proper nectar and feeders available from Hummingbird Market. Hummingbird Market has revolutionized hummingbird nutrition. We scientifically formulate hummingbird nectar made with all-natural plant sugars that most closely replicate nectar from Mother Nature's flowers. It hydrates and energizes the hummingbird with the essential sugar-blended nutrients it requires for proper nutrition, which keeps them coming back to your yard. Hummingbird Market is your preferred source for hummingbird-approved feeders, nectar, and accessories. 
Disconnect from your technology, gadgets, and daily obligations and discover the natural beauty of hummingbirds. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, Some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh-huh. what's happening. So your idea, your, your thought is, in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? Oh, hell no. It's a lot longer uh-huh. than that, baby. So do you have to, you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. Bostonbid.com. And, and you can download the Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have, uh, let me have that website address one more Bostonbid. time. Bostonbid.com. It's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. Your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Boston Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. Want help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on this show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. 
We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Kristen Barden, who's the Executive Director of the Adams-Morgan Partnership. Kristen, what is the Adams-Morgan Partnership? What are you guys doing? We are a nonprofit in the Adams-Morgan neighborhood of Washington, D.C., and we provide clean, safe, and uh, marketing services. And uh, how many businesses are you affecting and organizing in that in that region? It's about 240 businesses. About 240 businesses. Where are you from originally? I grew up in Syracuse, New York. Syracuse, New York. And how many brothers and sisters? I have a younger brother. A younger brother. All right. What was going on with you as a kid? As a, something happened when you were about two or three, huh? Yeah, I uh, was born with uh, congenital uh, hip dysplasia, and the summer I turned two, I had total reconstructive surgery on both of my hips. Oh, boy. So that must have been pretty painful and frightening and scary and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn how to walk all over again. Oh, boy. Uh, So how do you think that this stuff that happened with your hips when you were two had uh, affected on your personality? What did it do to you? It made me a very determined person. I... um, uh, having to learn how to walk uh, at a very lo- young age, I um, I remember things would fall off of the uh, uh, wheelchair, and um, rather than ask somebody else to pick it up for me, I would you know try to pick it up for myself. Uh huh. H- how's that affecting your building this thing called the Adams Morgan Partnership? This determination. Yeah. Well, I have to bridge the uh, um, the gap that exists between. Uh, DC government um, uh, policies and regulations and what our businesses need and so um, that ability to kind of cross over those two um, universes and get stuff done for our businesses as um, as part of my success. Mm -hmm. James? So what type of activities were you involved in as a youth? Um, My parents are are clergy and they did um, a lot of outreach in the community. They took trips overseas to Haiti and Puerto Rico um, and helped build schools and um, hearing about those stories when they would come back really um, inspired me to want to, you know, to want to help others. So in school, you had mentioned that you were also kind of a, a nerdy but involved in certain activities. What were those activities? Yeah, in, in high school, I, I was definitely a nerd. I um, was involved in the color guard and in choir and um, in Spanish club, too. So what attracted you to choir and color guard? Um, I like to sing. I sang at church, and um, the color guard was... Um, I, I didn't play an instrument to be in the marching band, but um, you know, being able to be a part of that larger organization was uh, was a lot of fun. So it's interesting that you picked activities that you're not standing out, but you're actually collaborative and working with a large group in order to be able to be successful. Yes, definitely. I um, I also when I was um, in fifth grade, I was selected to be the head of safety patrol, which um, you know at the time I was kind of surprised at. But um, but had a lot of fun with it, and I I liked you know organizing the other the other kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrea, what are you thinking? So you mentioned that your parents were both uh, in the clergy, and, and that they took some uh, trips. What were the mission of those trips? They um, took high school students uh, to um, Haiti and to Puerto Rico to help build schools um, in um, really poor areas. Why was that important to them? They um, always had a sense of service um, in their lives and um, teaching um, high school students, you know, how to be of good service to others was was very important. So you grew up in in a a household where um, 
building a community and, and um, service to others is important. What, what does that have to do with your work today? Well, in, in Adams Morgan, um, it is kind of a small town um, in many ways. And um, the business owners are, um, they, you know, many of them know each other very well. Um, but so that sense of community has always been important to me. And I, you know, embraced that immediately when uh, I started in Adams Morgan. And, um, you know, being able to continue, continue to build on that um, is, uh, is key to the success. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in the uh, the green room that you were an exchange student. Um, can you share with us that experience? Sure. I, I did a gap year after high school, before college. I um, was a Rotary Youth Exchange student in Bolivia, and uh, so at 17 years old, I was dumped into a, a you know a country that I knew nothing about. Didn't speak Spanish. Um, I had to learn how to speak Spanish and um, how to get along with people who um, were different from me. I came back much more mature. Um, and able to, you know, to uh, uh, to be a leader, really, um, and uh, and you know, able to embrace people who are very different than me. Well, isn't that frightening going to a different country and a different calling a different continent, and you didn't speak the language? Uh, yeah, it was it was um, frightening. I remember my very first day. They handed me a, a, a glass of juice, and I had no idea what this juice was. Um, I didn't understand what they told me, um, but I, you know, tasted the juice. It was fantastic. I, it was guava juice, and um, and from then on, you know, I sort of d- decided that I was going to make the best of this. How did those? How, how's this? How's this yearning for new experiences have anything to do with your? being successful building this thing called the Adams Morgan Partnership? I, uh, you know, embracing new experiences and, uh, you know, in my job, every every day is a new adventure, um, I like to say. Um, You know, some days we're picking up trash, other days we're trying to figure out how this new D.C. government policy is going to impact our small businesses. Um, And uh, I think, you know, having an experience like living in Bolivia at a young age made me very flexible and very able to um, to embrace every day as a new adventure. Really, what are you most grateful for, and how has that impacted e- building the organization that you're you're doing right now? Yeah, I think I'm I'm most grateful for the fact that I had a very stable childhood. Um, we moved around uh, quite a bit in upstate New York, but um, my my parents were 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 a rock, and um, I think that really helped me be able to to grow. Being a rock helped you to grow all right well how's that helping the organization to grow the fact that your parents were a rock uh it it gave me um a sense of stability um and uh i um am now able to to uh, to help other businesses realize their potential and uh you know keeping wow, the neighborhood that rock was really important to you that's what you're doing isn't it right right i'm serving as a rock sure for um other small businesses certainly how long have you been doing this? I've been there 10 years. Wow. You see an end in sight? Uh, you know, I think about that um, some days. Um, some days when I'm a little more frustrated, I think, you know, what's what's next for me? Um, but we've we've gone through a lot. We went through a major construction project a few years ago. Um, we um, recently, you know, rewrote our bylaws, which was a six-month project. Um, and also... Periodically, there's new challenges, and, and I've embraced them, and I look forward to the next. That's the determination and that persistence again. You know, you've been there for 10 years, and it's like, okay, what's next? Where's the next challenge? It sounds to me like you need challenges to keep you interested. Yeah, I think that th- I think that's very much the case, yeah. Although I do enjoy 
August when things are a little bit quieter. All right. So you like some balance in your life, though. Right. Absolutely. Uh huh. And uh, what 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 should we know about this uh, about this? Uh, Adams and Morgan partnership and what's going on in that part of DC what's special there yeah it's it's a neighborhood that is we call it the real DC um, it's uh, a residential neighborhood um, with a, a, a thriving commercial corridor of restaurants and retail and uh, um, we recently had a new hotel um, open up in the neighborhood that um, is spurring a lot of daytime foot traffic so we're very excited about that hmm and I guess the benefit of your being the executive director is you get to go in late and leave early. Uh, well, uh, not not really. Um, oh. I uh, I go to a lot of community meetings in the evenings, um, so um, I pull a lot of twelve and fourteen hour days on a, on a regular on a regular basis. Do, do you like uh, so? What's what do you like about your job? What's the best part of your job? Well, I am my own boss. Um, I have a, a board of directors of 15 commercial property owners and business owners. But on a day-to-day basis, I'm my own boss, and I, you know, I set my own priorities. Um, I it sounds to me like you know you have your own congregation, like your parents had their own <laughs> congregation. Yeah, that, that's very much the case. Yeah, what I have you, a congregation of, of business owners. Uh huh. Yeah, because you're like building a community, just like your parents built a community, not only here but over overseas. Yeah, uh-huh. very much. And the community's thriving, evidently. I mean, you've got 240 folks you're affecting, so you just you just keep on rocking with that, don't you? Yeah, uh-huh. I, uh, it, I, yeah. Like I said, every day is a new adventure. Um, you know, sometimes business owners will call me with, you know, a challenge about DC water, or mm-hmm. you know, my trash didn't get collected, and you know, how do I solve that? It sounds like your parents heard it all. Yeah. You know, as clergy, right. what's the website address for this organization? We're uh, admodc.com. It's a d m o d c dot com. Let me have that one more time. ADMODC.com. We've been speaking with Kristen Barden, Executive Director of Adams Morgan Partnership here on Executive Leaders Radio. And uh, let's see. I like to, let, uh, Jim, why don't you give us a rundown? Who else we've had on the air today, please? Sure, Herb. We've been speaking to Jason Middleton, CEO of Few Solutions, Dale Tuttle, partner of Witham, Smith, and Brown, Eric Ryan, CEO of Imagine BC, and Kristen Barden. Executive Director of Adams Morgan's Partnership. Like to uh, thank my co-hosts Jim Morgan, People Stretch Solutions, Andrea Dykes, Howard Insurance, Julie Matt Cressa, and Gabe Muller, Muller Consulting. I'd like to thank them for giving me a hand structuring the questions. Hope you're providing our listening audience an educational, and educate and entertaining show. I'd like to don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. And thank you for joining us today. And do have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.